Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we pray, Father, that all that's said and done here tonight will be for your glory and your honor. And Lord, I want to pray for Pastor Bob and Cindy, Lord, and, and for his father who lost, they lost a precious one in their family, a wife and mother. And we pray, Father, that you'll bless them and comfort them and watch over them. And I pray, Father, that when it's time for them to come home, that you'll bring them home safely. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory in the name of Jesus, our Lord and the Savior. Amen. The last time I spoke here, which was the first time I spoke here, I spoke on being born again. Today I'm speaking on the fruit of the Spirit. Being born again is a prerequisite to bearing the fruit of the Spirit. I think it's fitting and proper in view of that to go over the new birth. One person asked, why do you always preach on being born again? And the preacher said, because you must be born again. It's infinitely important and easily understood. You know, when John the Baptist came, the first words out of his mouth in his public ministry were repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then shortly thereafter, when Jesus came behind him, Jesus said, after he was uh, baptized and, and tempted of the devil, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven, of heaven is at hand. Same words that John spoke first in the public ministry. <clears throat> he also told us how this new birth happens. First, you repent, as I just mentioned, and believe the gospel, and you have eternal life. You're not going to get it when you die. You already have it. Jesus said, he that believes in me has everlasting life. The words of Jesus were the same as those of John the Baptist. <clears throat> this sounds pretty clear, and it is. Anyone can understand it. If we go to Isaiah 35, 8, my dad taught me this scripture many, many years ago. 35, 8, and there shall be a highway there, a way, shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over, but the wafering man, though fool, shall not err therein. In other words, to be born again, repent, believe the gospel. Anyone can understand it from the highest to the lowest intellect. Again, this is a prerequisite to bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Does, uh, does anyone have any questions about the new birth? Okay. The fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Let's look at that. Five twenty-two. 
and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. The first aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, love. The two commandments that Jesus gave us in Matthew 22 were, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus demonstrated this by going to the cross and giving his life. He gave his life for us at Calvary. He paid the price required for our sin. He tells us to love our wives as Christ loved the church and love one another fervently. Paul tells us that. The Spirit has generated love in us. We love the Lord, we love the brethren. We love our neighbors, we love lost sinners, and we're looking for opportunities to love. We have the love of God in us. Therefore, it brings forth fruit. This God, the God's, God's love is agape in the Greek. That's the highest kind of love there is. In 1 Peter 4.8, we read, Love covers the multitude of sins. There's no end in love. It is infinite. God is love. Secondly, let's look at joy. The importance of joy to Jesus is spoken of in Hebrews 12.2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The dictionary defines it as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And although it undoubtedly includes that, it is much more than feelings. It's much deeper and meaningful. We have joy in knowing that we are the children of God, secure in his love and keeping. Though there may be chaos and calamity around, we have joy in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. If we look at Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. There's joy in heaven. The Lord tells us in Luke 15, 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. And you can imagine the joy we will have when we hear our Lord and Savior say, enter into the joy of thy Lord. Thirdly, we look at peace. Again, the dictionary defines it as the absence of hostility, war, and violence, 
Of course, this is correct, and we love that, but there's another kind of peace that only the children of God have. That is peace with God. This is inner peace which passes understanding. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 tells us, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And in uh, another scripture that I like in the Psalms, 119.165, tells us, Grace, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And of course, this is this one here that I never want to leave out. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We may not understand it, however, we have access to it because it is the fruit of the Spirit. So let us lay hold on it, for everyone does not have it. The wicked have no peace. Isaiah 57, 19 through 21 tells us, I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him that is far off, and to him that is near, says the Lord and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. The secular world talks about peace, but they have no peace because they have rejected the Prince of Peace, who is our peace. John fourteen twenty seven, the Lord tells his, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We have the peace of God, given to us by the Son of God. Let us go to bed tonight knowing this in our hearts, and let us sleep like a baby. Next, let's consider patience. They used to say in the army, chiding. Hurry up, get in line and wait. Patience is a virtue. We wait our turn without showing irritation. A good attitude is what we should have. We wait for many reasons. We wait in line at the grocery store and, and uh, other places that we go. But the most important is waiting on the Lord. If we look at Isaiah 40, 31, he tells us, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And in Acts 1, the Lord told the apostles to wait for the Holy Ghost, who came in a few days. We're waiting patiently, 
but not idle for the Lord's return. Now we come to gentleness, which is kindness, tenderness, and mild, mild, being mild-mannered, helpful even when wronged. Jesus was gentle with sinners. He was and is always willing and able to minister. A gentle person has a courteous, polite demeanor. He's compassionate and considerate. Now, goodness is being morally upright. We see as we study the fruit of the Spirit how they all touch one another. You cannot have one and not the others. One preacher said they're like a bouquet. You can't go out one day and say, I'm going to love somebody. Then the next day say, I'm going to be polite or I'm going to be patient. There are many synonyms which apply to each. They in whom the Spirit of God dwells will bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. In Matthew 3, when John the Baptist was baptizing the people, the self-righteous Pharisees and Sadducees came, and John rebuked them, for they thought they were righteous by being Abraham's seed. John said in Matthew 3, 9 and 10, Every tree which does not bring forth good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Think about it, folks. Are we producing fruit? Now we come to faith. Faith is defined in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And Hebrews 11.6 tells us without faith it's impossible to please him. Our faith as Christians is simply believing the gospel that Jesus paid our sin debt and rose from the grave and the scriptures account of him and acting on those truths. And then uh, 1 John 5, 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith without works is impossible. James tells us this three times in chapter two of James. Faith in God is believing in him, trusting in him and acting on that faith as the Holy Spirit within you provides opportunities. Remember, faith without works is dead. Whereas the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now when we say this, let's keep in mind that works come after salvation. And a look at Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, Christ sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh. And then, in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, 
For by grace are you saved. For by grace are you saved, through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we will bear fruit, but the fruit, the works of the fruit, bearing the fruit does not have a part in us being saved. We're saved. In other words, if you're not saved, you cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit. It's impossible because you don't have the Spirit. These are closely related, meekness and temperance. One defined meekness as power under control, and I think that is accurate when we recall how Jesus, the creator of the universe, said of himself, I am meek and lowly. Let's go to Matthew 11. Eleven twenty-eight. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, the nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit are so closely related, they touch one another. Temperance is being able and calm within oneself in difficult situations which interact with all the fruit of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is in you. The fruit of the Spirit always <coughs> always comes forth in those who are born again, children of God. It's impossible for them to not bring forth the fruit of the Spirit because every tree the Lord plants brings forth fruit, good fruit. It's also impossible for one not born again to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit because they don't have the Spirit. <clears throat> now, how many, how many know that there's no such as an ex exhaustive study of any of God's attributes? Yes, we know that because <laughs> God is infinite and we are finite. And no matter what we study, there's always more. No matter who on earth studies any aspect of, of God, they can never exhaust that study because there's always more to God because he is infinite. We love him, worship him, and serve him. And he bears fruit in us as he wills. <clears throat> Praise his holy name and let us worship him in spirit and in truth with a pure heart. <clears throat> this fruit of the spirit should flow out of us like a river. John 6:38 tells us, He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
and Jesus speaking to the woman at the well in John 4 answers her question about the well and said, whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You know, I looked at something here. <sighs> I looked at something here that came to me. Uh, I've never heard it talked about before like this, but uh, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was a good thing to look at. So here it is, Ephesians. 6, 10 through 18. Let's look at that. <coughs> Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we see here, in the armor of God, we also see the fruit of the Spirit. <coughs> Let's explore it. First, love tells the truth. And in verse 614 of Ephesians, it cites the truth as armor. And the breastplate of righteousness means you have peace with God. As your feet are shod with the gospel of peace, which gives you joy. Patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, and temperance are all protected by the shield of faith. The helmet of salvation protects us from mortal wounds while we wield the sword of the Spirit with love and compassion and mercy. So can you see how the fruit of the Spirit and the armor of God are integral with one another. With all this fruit and armor, 
Victory is assured. We are the children of God and the church of God. And the scripture tells us in Matthew 16, 8, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Praise the Lord. Father God, we thank you for the time that you've given us here, Lord. I pray that you've, you've been glorified and blessed, Lord, and we have all been blessed. And I pray that you've touched each heart here, all of our hearts, and drawn us closer to you and to one another. I pray, Father, that we will fulfill those works that you've given to us, Lord, in the Spirit, for your glory and honor. For it's in the name of our Lord and Savior, the one who saved us, that I ask this. Amen. Amen.